You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take you a copy of the Word of God this morning, if you will, find the the New Testament book of John, the 14th chapter. We're going to be looking at, in detail, verses 15 and following, but I'm going to read some other passages as we set uh, the tone and kind of introduce the text. We look here at John chapter 14. Jesus is in the upper room. In John 13, we, we see the, the washing of the feet. Jesus washes the, the feet of the disciples and talks about being a a servant Lord, and we see the betrayal of Judas and uh, the telling of that and the prophesying that Judas would betray him, and he did, and he, he leaves the upper room, and we have Jesus now beginning to talk to the disciples about what is going to take place on the cross. He, he talks about his leaving and him leaving them. Of course, the, the Spirit had not uh, descended upon them like it has now under the new covenant, so there would have been this misunderstanding and, uh, and truly uh, grasping biblically what is going to take place. And so uh, I'm going to read there verses 1 of John 14. Jesus looks at them and says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. We looked at this last week. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And so as we think of John 14, this last section before he leaves the upper room, his concern is that the disciples realize what is about to happen on the cross and his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion and the empty tomb and the ascension, all that is coming, all this gospel narrative that is taking place is going to take place for a reason, for their well-being. And then he says, but let not your hearts be troubled. You do not have to worry because if you believe in God, believe in me. If you believe, your hearts do not have to be troubled. That's a good word for us here today, this morning, isn't it? We looked at it last week. Our hearts don't have to be troubled because God says if you just believe, if you keep the faith, if you understand, if you grasp, if you trust who I am, your hearts will not be troubled. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12 now and then go through the rest of the chapter. We're going to begin there really looking at it intentionally in verse 15. But let me read verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Let not your hearts be troubled. You will be able to do these things because I'm going. And so it, don't be troubled. Because I'm going, 
You, whoever believes in me will do greater works than I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let not your hearts be troubled. You're going to do greater works than I have done. You're going to be used in a mighty way because I am going. You're going to be able to ask anything in my name and my Father will heal you, hear you, and will answer you because I'm going away. That's why your hearts do not need to be troubled. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It almost seems kind of odd sitting there that way, doesn't it? I want to explain that verse in a different way and understand what true obedience really is. Let not your hearts be troubled, I'm going away. Because I'm going away, you'll be able to do greater things than these. You'll be a, do a great useful, you'll have great purpose. You'll be able to ask anything in the name of the Father and he will hear you and he will do it. And then number three, verse 15, you're going to have me as your master and as your Lord. Well, pastor, that's not what that verse says. That verse says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yes. You'll have me as your master and your Lord. If you love Jesus Christ as your master and Lord, you'll obey everything he tells you to do because he's your master and your Lord. If you love Jesus Christ and you understand what he did on a cross for your sin, and if you love Jesus Christ and you understand what redemption means and that who you once were and now who you are, if you understand what it means to be a child of God and how dependent we are on everything that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever he tells us to do, we will do so gladly, we will do so willingly, and we will do so dependently. Because we love him, we are begging him, tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me when to do it. Because you are master and you are Lord and you are my redeemer. And I will do whatever you ask me to do because of who you are. Have you ever thought of verse 15 in that context? We listen and obey the Lord Jesus Christ because of who he is. And we understand who he is. So that is the natural response to obedience. And he says, your heart will not be troubled because you understand I'm your Lord and Master. And as you follow me, you'll do what I ask. And as you follow me and you do as I ask, you're going to be in the will of the Father. Therefore, your hearts will not be troubled. We could really stop right here and call it a day in verse 15. Do you know why so many of us are in the shape that we are in spiritually right here today? Because we don't love Jesus Christ and we don't obey the things of God. 
And when we're not bowing our spiritual heart, it's not about do's and don'ts and wills and won'ts. It's about bowing our, our heart and our reverence and our authority and our will. It's bowing all that we are to the feet of Christ because we know who he is and we are begging and we are crying out to him, Lord, we want to follow you. Tell me everything in my life that is not pleasing unto you and I will do it. But the opposite of that is, you know what? I believe there is a Jesus, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. And that's why my heart is a dumpster fire. It's sad, but that's the case. But he tells us it doesn't have to be that way. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. And so we see these statements packed into here. Let not your heart be troubled. And when your heart is not troubled, you'll do greater things than these. You'll ask the Father and he will answer you. You will obey me and follow me as the Lord of your life. And then tucked right in between that, we have verses 15 and 31. The reason that your hearts will not be troubled and the reason your life is going to be this way is because I am going to send the Helper. Because I am sending the Holy Spirit. We just sing about the Spirit of God raining down and what that looks like in our life and how we worship the Lord and how we process life and how we live our life. Where our hearts are not troubled, our life will look this way because Jesus Christ has sent us the Helper. He has sent us the Holy Spirit. He did go away. He died on that cross. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and He did send the Helper. He did send the Holy Spirit and that's why today when we think about our life our hearts do not have to be troubled verse 16 I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Remember Christ had said earlier in John's gospel, with him that had eyes to see, let him see, and ears to hear, let him hear. A dead man cannot hear and conceive the things of the spirit. Only those that have been awoken by the spirit understand that the spirit is there and alive and well. I used the reference one time about preaching, and this is a, if you've ever taught Sunday school or taught anything or preached, sometimes you feel like you're preaching uphill. Isn't that a, kind of a funny illustration? I heard a pastor say that one time. He said, I felt like I was preaching. I was swimming up the creek. It's just not getting anywhere. I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. And, and so the idea, though, it probably wasn't as much his proclamation it as much as the reception. A dead heart is not going to understand. If you're here today and you're not born again, you're not going to understand a word I'm saying. You'll walk out of here and say, and it's funny, I shared with somebody this week, had somebody come up to me after a sermon one time, big smile on their face, great talk. It's just going to be a great talk or just a talk. may not even be great to you. It's just going to be a talk. 
But if our hearts have been opened by the Spirit of God and we see Christ for who he is, we're going to encounter the helper. And our eyes will be open and our ears will be open to the truth. And our hearts will not be troubled. The world does not see this. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. So he's referring to I've got to go away. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. I'm going away. But in the future, these things will happen. In that day you will know that I am the Father and in me and I in you. In that day, at that crucifixion, at that resurrection, they knew on that day that Jesus Christ was exactly... Can you imagine being in the upper room when Jesus returned to the upper room and he walked through the door? You're just sitting there hanging out, wanting to know where Jesus is. Where do you think he went? I'm right here. And the first thing out of his mouth, peace be with you. On that day they knew who Jesus Christ was. There is a day, a day of salvation. In that day you will know I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'll be back to that. Judas, not his chariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Notice the we, Father, Son, and Spirit. We will come to him and make our home with him. A child of God has God abiding in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. This is the same argument in the same sermon Jesus was preaching to the Pharisees leading up to this. Now he's preaching to the disciples. If you love me, if you understand who I am, you'll acknowledge who I am. You'll believe who I am. You'll trust in who I am. It's that simple. If you know me, you know my Father. The Jews were trying to please the Father. Jesus was saying, if you know me, you know my Father. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer walk with you for the ruler of this world is coming. And I love this. Circle this in your Bible. He has no claim on me. I will will no longer walk with you for the ruler of this world, Satan, the old deceiver, Lucifer, is coming. But let me remind you this. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so there the world may know, so that the world may know that I love the Father. (laughs) I love the way he says, rise, let's go from here. They were in the upper room. This is what he's saying. 
He said all of this, and he says, let's get up. Let's get up. I'm going to the cross. That's why I think I get choked up. I, I, was, a, I, was, a, I was a mess last week. One time I was a mess. Somebody would, vision, somebody would have been visiting last week. Golly, he's just like the weeping pastor or something. He just, I was all, tie got me all tore up, baptism, singing, the communion. Here's what I love about this scene. They're in the upper room. Can you imagine every time they did communion after this? All of this is crystal clear. His body, his blood, they have the helper. They have the spirit of God within them. For the rest of our time, I want us to look at this. Let's look at verses 15 and following based upon that the, the helper has come so their hearts are not troubled so that their life is, verse 12, greater works. Verse 13, we'll be able to ask anything in the name of the Father and we know it will be heard and we'll, we'll have this precious gift of loving the Lord Jesus Christ and following after him and the ability to obey his commandments because he's our Savior and Lord. We have the benefits of these things in verses 12 and 13 and 15 because he has sent the helper. He has sent the Holy Spirit. Let's look at these key words and these thoughts as we look at this text. Verse 18. I will not, well, let's, let's back up. Verse, let, let me, verse 16. Let me un, unpack this a little bit. I will send you another helper. As we think about what the Spirit does, another helper, that word, and we don't have time to trace it throughout the New Testament, there are two ways that you use the word another. And one way that we look at it, and it's the way here, the way the Greek is spelled here, and the way the Greek is, is spent here, one just like me. And see, that's where the, the fancy Greek language study comes into play, another when you look at that in the Greek, another, it literally meant in the Greek language. And so if they were reading this in the Greek, in their context, in their church, when that letter was sent, it would have, it, they would have meant it, taken it this way. I'm going to send somebody just like me. When he said that in that context, they were like, what do you mean he's going to be just like you? He's God. He's not the Father. He's not the Son. He is the Spirit. But he is just, he's God. Just like me, another one. I am going to send one as me, as God. The other usage of the word another carries the idea like, a, like the president. You know, we've got a, another president. And so what does the, the another president do? Well, we're not doing anything like that guy did. That's another president, and we're going to do it this way. And guess what's going to happen in either four or eight years? There's going to be another president. And that another president is going to say, we're not going to do anything like that guy. That's not the way this another works. He's just like me. Now, stop there. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to hang out with Jesus? Man, I could be the best pastor in the world. Wouldn't it be kind of great just to have... Jesus pull up a stool instead of like that Jesus take the wheel which 
Not real good theology, but anyway, we, you listen to it. Jesus, pull up a chair. Jesus, pull up a chair and help me out a little bit on this preaching. Sometimes I get a little sidetracked. You know what Jesus would do? I'm already here. Remember? I sent another one. Wouldn't it be neat to have Jesus with you all the time? Wouldn't it be great to have a, just have God with you as you lived your life and you can make better decisions and not keep doing the same thing that you're doing? Wouldn't it be great just to have God hanging out with you to help you through life? If you're born again, he is with you because he's another. We're not just some person in a line of, of significance that we, you know, we hope to get into things with the Lord. I'll tell you a little, little, little funny social media thing, and, and um, I'm not a social media guru. As a matter of fact, I need to ask somebody about social media. I thought I was private messaging somebody on social media, and it was public. I'm like, oh, dear Lord Jesus, I'm glad I didn't say anything stupid. But I, I messaged one of my heroes of the faith, and he messaged me back. Screenshot. Oh, that's one you send to the family. Look who's messaging dad. Just hanging out with Steve Lawson this week. I'll walk up to him in a few months and go, now who are you? But boy, for a split second, I felt important that Dr. Stephen Lawson tweeted messaging. Now, did I say that wrong? Tweeted messaging me. And we forget we have the Holy Spirit abiding with us. God with us. I don't need Steve Lawson to tweet back at me for me to feel significant, do I? I don't need Jesus to pull up a stool and help me with my preaching up here today. He said, I'm going to send another helper. That word helper is parakletos, fancy word. We're going to get to that tonight. You've got to come back tonight. There's another word that sounds like that that's beneficial. It means encourager, counselor, helper, admonish, support, guide, direct, minister to. That is what the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. I know you cannot do it on your own. You'll never be able to do it on your own. I know that. That's why I'm going to the Father. See, the Son had a role, the Father had a role, and the Spirit has a role. The Father sent the Son. The Son goes up to the Father to pay the price for our sin, and he sends the Spirit, and he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. You cannot do it on your own. You can never do it on your own. That's why I'm sending the Helper. Encourage, admonish, strengthen, come alongside, prop up, guide, direct. He's not floating around like Casper the ghost that we've got to catch and somehow get the spirit in us. The spirit is in us and dwells within us if we've been born again. No spirit, no life. With life, the Spirit. Now let's look at what the Spirit does. Word one, presence. I will not leave you as orphans. That's just, 
I mean, if you haven't just thought about that statement, you want to talk about the love of Christ? I will not. He understands what it is like. He understands what the disciples would have thought. We followed you for three years. We believed who you were. We saw these great miracles. Now you're telling us you're going to leave? We may feel that way today. Why have you forsaken me, Lord? Why am I still feel so alone? Why am I facing all of these things? He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm with you. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will also live in that day. In that day, I love that. In that day, you will know I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. I just tell me, what does that mean? I cannot fathom what that means. It's too much for me. That's too big for my mind to understand. But I know what it says. Can't comprehend it. Of course, I don't comprehend grace and love and mercy either, but I believe it. Jesus in the Father, the Father's in Jesus, Jesus in me, and I am in Christ. That's personal. That's, that's real. That is a helper coming where I will never be alone and I'll never be forsaken. Satan cannot snatch him out of my... I am completely in Christ and Christ is completely in me. That's why we need to stop worrying about our self-esteem, okay? Just bury the self-esteem moment. You've got Christ in you, and you are in Christ. I'm audience of one. You've got the presence of God in your life if you're born again. I don't know what pain you're going through, what hurt you're going through. I have no idea. Our seniors are having an open house. Some of our seniors are having an open house. You might change your major 15 times. I think I was going to be an astronaut. These are these things you need to know as I get older. Y'all can re- I need to tell you everything because I'm going to forget and you can remind me. Pastor John's first job occupation was going to be a garbage man. His second occupation was going to be an astronaut. Okay? After that, it gets fuzzy. After that, I went to middle school and my brain stopped functioning. So after that, it gets fuzzy. Some of our seniors will come up to me and go, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon and change the world and be on Time Magazine. Probably not, but I'll let you keep thinking that. Because about two years into this thing, you're going to realize you hate this and you're going to do something else. But that's okay. Why is that okay? Because you've got Christ in you. You're not alone making these decisions on your own. You're not alone when you're sick. You're not alone when you're in despair. You're not alone if you have given your life to Christ and you have been born again. But let me tell you something. If you're sitting here today and you're not trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've not been born again, you're as alone as alone can be, and that is why your life is so miserable. Isn't that sad? Alone as orphans letting the world dictate what is right and what is wrong and what we believe in and what we follow. And all along, Jesus says, I will come into you and you into me. Man, we ought to just storm hell with a water pistol in the morning, shouldn't we? Because Christ is in me and I am in Christ. So I was talking about being excited. We ought to be the most excited people in the world. 
Some of y'all are going to be riding around the week of vacation Bible school with a goofy mannequin. Steve's going to have a Florida State mannequin strapped in his truck riding out to work. And I'll be excited about that. I will. I cannot wait to see Lee Elder with a Florida Gator in his truck. I cannot wait to see these things. I'm coming around with a video and videoing it. How much more excitement should I have that Jesus Christ, the Spirit is not only strapped in my front seat, He abides within me. And I can't get excited about that. So we have His presence. Secondly, key word, love. Whoever has my commandments, isn't it amazing how all this articulates throughout this passage? Love and obedience. Love and follow. Love it's the idea of just doing. I think about Christ, it's just so simple. Jesus walks by the lake, and it's in Matthew 5, I think it is, walking by the seashore, there are the disciples. Hey, you're doing something you love. You're fishermen, that's what you do. You've got your net. You love fishing, but I want you to do something else. I want you to drop that which you love, and I want you to love me, and by following me, you're going to understand what that love is, and I'm not going to just take away your fishing of fish, but I'm going to make you fish of men and so they dropped their nets and immediately they followed Christ that's obedience why did they obey Jesus Christ because they trusted Jesus Christ they believed in who Jesus Christ was and they believed in what he said he would do he would do you know what I feel like my role as a pastor is a lot of times trying to get a saved person to act like that back up do you know what I feel like my job as a pastor is a lot of times? Trying to get an unconverted person to live like a converted person. That's harsh, isn't it? Thank you for visiting with us today. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm Leroy. Leroy, if you love the Lord, you would obey the things the Lord is saying. Well, I'm not very... My religion's between me and the Lord, and you don't try to force that on me, and I'm a believer, and I don't. But Leroy, all I'm telling you is what God says. If you love him, you're going to want to hear from him. Because he's God, you're going to listen to him. I mean, my wife is an English teacher. Would you rather her write a paper for you, or would you rather me write a paper for you? And so when I write something and I want to know whether it's right, do you think I'm asking one of y'all, or am I going to ask an English teacher? And so when I ask her, honey, what does this look like? She said, well, I, I know what you meant. Uh, I'm going to just go, okay, you're right. You're, you're the, I will naturally obey that, trust that she is right, and willingly do that because I want the outcome I want. But our problem in our world today is we have told people they are believers of the Lord Jesus Christ and there's no expectation of living that life out. So we live however we want to live in the world in which we live in and there's no fruits worthy of repentance. There's no following the Lordship of Jesus Christ and their life is not where it needs to be spiritually and somehow or another it's become the church's fault. Amen? That's not in the notes, by the way. If you're following online, that was free. And you're sitting there all along going, listen, if you love Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus. If you love Christ, you want to know what Christ, I mean, I want, Lord, I want to know what you've got in store for my life. 
please tell me because I know within a matter of seconds I will mess it up. You want to understand the love of the Father, listen to the Father and follow the Father. If you love me, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. As I listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Spirit, as I listen to the Father, as I listen and I obey and I follow and I worship and I pray and I read the Word and I witness to the nations and I live out the Christian life, he is going to manifest himself more to me. The more I love, the more I cherish, the more I understand, the more I'm going to see of who he is. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Now think about it from a logical standpoint. Why would we think that we're going to ask God, God, come abide within me, but I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, I just want, the, I want God to abide in my life, but I don't want to listen to him. If we want to listen, if we obey, if we love, we follow, it'd be like the word of God. I, I want to read the word of God and believe every word of it and cherish it and meditate on it and live it out and just be consumed with it. And as I do that, the Lord is going to manifest himself to me and he is going to abide with me and I will feel his presence through the spirit and I will see him in ways I've never seen him before. That's only as we love and we cherish him. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. We have presence, we have the love, we have teaches us all things. What is all things? All things. When, the, when, the, when Jesus ascended and sent the Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they understood all things. The word became very clear to them what was taking place. That is the same benefit and blessing that we have. We can know all things pertaining to the things of God when we have the Spirit amongst us and we realize His presence and we love Him. I'm going to stand before the Lord and I am going to be accountable for everything I have done and not done this side of heaven. But here's what I'm going to be accountable for. What he has asked me to do, and I did. Or what he asked me to do, and I didn't do. That's pretty simple. Nowhere in Scripture does he expect John Beck to be perfect when I get to heaven. That's never going to happen. All he's going to hold me accountable for is what he has given me to know and to not know and to believe and not believe. And so as I have the Spirit's presence within me and I love the thing of the Spirit and I'm seeking the face of God, He is going to teach me all things. He is going to teach me the things I need to do and the things I don't need to do as I believe the Word and live out the Word and trust the Spirit. And so I'm going to stand before the Lord one way or the other. I'm either going to bow down before me, Lord, I tried my best. Yes, you did. Well, there's probably going to be a lot of things I probably should have done differently. I didn't. But I'm going to be held accountable by the way I responded to who He is and His Word and His will and His ways. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters who he is. Isn't that incredible? 
Sunday, Saturday morning, we talk about prayer as men. We gather the shepherding group every first Saturday of every month. Come join us. Talk about prayer. As simple as this. Get up in the morning and do this. Lord, you're with me. Your presence, you're with me. I love you and you love me. Lord, teach me today. Teach me. Teach me something today that I didn't know yesterday. Lord, teach me to love you more. Teach me to be a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better friend. Lord, teach me what to say and what not to say. Lord, teach me more of who you are. Lord, just teach me. Can you imagine what would happen if we really prayed that prayer? Lord, teach me. Because that's what he does. That's what he wants to do. That's his role. That's what the Spirit does. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace, let your hearts not be troubled, let them not be afraid. So we have presence, we have love, we have the teaching ministry of the Spirit. Now I want to combine two words here in verse 27 and 28. Peace and rejoicing. You have heard I'm going away, I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. We have the Spirit, we have this peace. When we, we have the Spirit, we have something that we can rejoice about. I'm going to read very quickly Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. There's that word. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Why do we rejoice? How do we live this life out of rejoicing? How can we do it? Because why? I have the presence of God in my life and the love of God in my life and he is guiding me and teaching me and he is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything but everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. The key word in that phrase is that we pray and we lift up with a spirit of thanksgiving. We don't do the thanksgiving part real well. We do the questioning part real well. Lord, here I am. Here's my request. Here's my supplication. Why, why, why? And I ought to be, Lord, here's my request. Here's my supplication. I am so thankful for who you are. I am thankful for the things that are going on in my life. I am thankful that I can call out to the name of the Father in the midst of this storm. Let your requests be known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, is there anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned, what you have received, and what you have seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace, rejoicing because of the Spirit within us. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. We can rejoice and have that peace because of who God is and that is what the Spirit does. And then the last word. I tried to find something that fit better pastorally, but I couldn't. Security. I will no longer talk much with you, for the world ruler of this world is coming. 
He has, but he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. The word security, you could have said, I could have said protection, I could have said safety, I could have said assurance, maybe. I'm going to send the helper, and you'll have his presence. It'll be manifested through love as it teaches you all of these things and you will have peace and rejoicing but you're still going to be safe oh the devil's coming the devil's mad the devil's on the prowl oh oh, Lucifer is alive and well but he has no claim on me that's what Jesus said remember what we looked at a while ago where am I I'm in Christ where's Christ in me guess what devil you have no claim on me devil you have no claim on this church devil you have no claim on this nation unless we give it to you you have no claim on me now John lived to a ripe old age because he wrote the book of Revelation always jokingly say one of, one of the apostles had to hang out a little longer so we could have revelation. Every other one of the disciples and the apostles died a martyr death at the hand of an angry nation or a, someone against the gospel. Does that mean that devil won? Oh, no, my friend. Gosh, I've read so many testimonies and so many great stories of the faith of martyrs. I mean, I, I, I jokingly say this. You put, a little, you put a little oppression on a good Baptist, and boy, we go to whining, don't we? No! You nail Peter to a cross, he'll say, don't nail me straight up. You turn me upside down. I don't want to be crucified like my Savior. I want to be crucified different. You start martyring the apostles and the disciples. They understand. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm making this up now. That's where we got the hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved Us So Like Me. I think the disciples sang it as they were being martyred for Christ. Oh, you have, you have no claim on me. This may, this may hurt for just a little while, but I am about to go into the presence of my Father. World, you have no claim on me. You can't bend my will. You can't change my direction. You can't make me do anything. That's the great thing about the devil. He cannot make us do anything. He just tries to influence He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. He's not ever-present. Only God is. He has no claim on us. That is one of the greatest gifts of the Spirit. You ever notice when you're really in tune with the things of the Lord and you're in the Word and you're praying, you're loving coming to church and you're just doing all the... By the way, these are things God has given us to help us grow. The Bible, prayer, church, these things. As we do these things, I can be on the world and I can watch something on TV or hear somebody say something and the theological hairs on my neck stand up. And I'll go, that's not true. How do you know that's not true? Because the Spirit's telling me that ain't true. Jesus was from the southern kingdom, so ain't is in their vocabulary. 
But when you're not in the Word, it's like I, I, love, I love when people say, don't judge me. I have one judge. Yeah, you're right. And when you're not in the Word and you're not in prayer and you're not living out the Christian life and you don't enjoy hanging out with us and doing these types of things, you will make decisions and you will look just like the world and the Satan is not making you do anything. You're doing it on your own and he is having a field day on your life. But I can tell you this morning, when I was, uh, every morning I get up real early and I, every morning when I get up, this message is about 15 minutes long. And every Sunday morning, it becomes about four hours long. And I was just sitting in there, and I was like, <laughs> Satan, you don't have any claim on me because I'm with him, and he is in me, and I am in him. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Jesus said, believe also in me. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the helper, the paracletos, the comforter, the guide, the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm grateful that when your word is proclaimed, the Spirit is taking that word and convicting and showing us our heart. And so I pray now as we sing about trusting and obeying that we realize that is that simple. Do we really trust God in who you are? Do we really trust God in who you are through the gospel? And do we love you and trust you and just obey you in a simple childlike faith? Lord, you have your will and your way in our life. And as we sing this time, as we sing this song of commitment, let us recognize your presence and your love and your teaching. Let us understand our assurance and what we have in the Spirit. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.